शिला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जाए श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जाए ग्रंथरा श्रीमद् भागवतम की जाए श्री ब्राह्मण गीत की जाए घोर भक्त वृंद की जाए घोर प्रमाण हरि हरि बो so pranam to all of you good morning and welcome to our series of lectures on the brahma gita the song of the bumblebee today we are continuing with our introduction to the brahma gita actually today is the last session of introduction we will have our fifth meeting fifth introductory class getting closer and closer to the very official beginning of this Brahma Gita. So today we will be studying the first 11 verses of chapter 47 of 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam since Brahma Gita officially begins in the 12th verse. So before doing that of course let's do as usual some brief recap, hopefully brief, of what we were studying last uh, Monday. We were seeing chapter 46 of the 10th canto, 10th canto of the Grantaraj, and we saw verses 8 to 49. So, a good, a good, a good amount, a good quantity, re related to Uddhava's arrival to Braj. So, as we know, Uddhava Mahasai, he arrives in Braj in the Godulli moment, where the cow dust is raised, announcing. Krishna's return from the pastures with his fields. And he has that particular darshan because we know ex ex externally, if you will, explicitly, if Krishna is in Mathura now, and he will, he sent Udav to Vrindavan to send a message, Udav Sandesh. But when Udav arrived to Braj, first of all, he has a, a darshan of Braj where everyone is in union with Krishna, even though he's not seeing Krishna, but he's seeing the whole environment immersed in joy, in charm, as if Krishna is present there. So that's the first window that he witnesses, Raja in union with Krishna, in divine union. So then after that he goes uh, to Nanda Maharaja's palace, and then that union disappears, and the, the portal or the Prakash in separation unfolds in front of Udab's Ikes. So that's the second darshan he has for different reasons, as we know. To know on one window, one prakash, prakat prakash, the manifest one, overtly there is separation, but the aprakat prakash, the invisible one, there is permanent direct association. So in the conversation with Nanda, he in the beginning asks about how is everything in Mathura, how is Vasudeva, but very quickly he starts to ask about how is Krishna. And when he says Krishna, his heart breaks and he starts to cry and cry and cry and absorb himself and reminding, remembering Krishna, remembering his lilas, spontaneous lilas maram. And as we know, Uddhav cannot tell him, stop lamenting, because the essence of all dharma is to cry for Krishna, but at the same time, he was sent with a, with a mission there to try to pacify the Brajabhasa somehow or other. So he tried his best, as we have seen and we will be seeing. But at the same time, in the midst of his overwhelming and, 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 and bewilderment, what's going on here? What's the type of love? How do they feel for Krishna? 
So one point Udab says to Nanda, you can go out of the palace, you take some air, have a walk, look here and there. But the point is, whenever I go out, says Nanda, everything is Udipuna for me. Everything is stimulant of remembrance of Krishna. Every single place is a Lila Stali. Krishna's footprints are everywhere and so on. So whatever advice Udab is giving is throwing more fuel to the fire of their separation. So at that point, Yashoda also appears unseen like a crazy divine woman crying and saying, do not speak so loudly, my Kanealal, my boy, is sleeping now. And he was indeed into the Baba eyes of Yashoda. <laughs> um, and then Nanda continued with his absorption and, and, and mentioning, well, maybe Krishna and Balaran, they are extraordinary personality, who knows, Devas or something, He have they have done so many incredible things. So Uda will try to use that point as an entry point he mentioned something regarding krishna being extraordinary i will try to invoke aishvarya gyan and to speak about krishna being god narayan brahman paramatma the absolute and try to dilute the thick thickened prem they are expressing trying to save them from the dead the grips of death in separation and at the same time he saw he thought would have if i'm not able to do so and if in spite of this their prem increases instead of decrease then the glory of the prime will speak for itself. And that will be my new mission, if you will. I came with a mission, but now Uda is realizing there is another mission <laughs> in between of that. Mm. So when Uda suggests to Nandan, hey, your son is Narayan, you are so fortunate, you have some, such love for Narayan, and Nanda will say, no, I know Narayan. <laughs> He's Santa Purusha, personification of peace, Huh? stable, atmaram, self-satisfied, but Krishna is exactly the opposite of that. <laughs> he's restless, he's liar, he's, and he doesn't know his womanizer, what to speak of that. <laughs> that, that testimony will be here from the copies, from, from the mouths of Sri Radha especially. And basically Nanda was saying his Batsalya Bhava Ikes, God empowered my Krishna, Narayan empowered my Krishna to do the extraordinary things he did actually. That's that's the Siddhanta of the Brajabhasis. And even if he's God, he continues, let's take it hypothetically for a minute. And you are, and we know God is there with the is Bhakti. So Krishna left. If he's God, he left. It means we have no Bhakti. So that's the type of consolement you are giving to me. Hmm. So Udav tries to continue giving some relief and pa uh, pacify them, saying, well, Krishna will return. He realizes I cannot insist on Aishvarya at this moment. I will just mention Krishna will return. And Nanda says, but Uda will say Krishna will return because he lives to reciprocate with his devotees. Mm. You are his devotees, he will reciprocate. And Nanda says, I'm not his devotee. I'm his father. <laughs> so again, Uda is finding a new DNA here, a new sense of identity, new Abhiman. So Uda again will insist Krishna has no mother, has no father. He's the father of all. But Nanda will take shelter in Pratyaksha Praman the direct evidence that you perceive with your own senses. I know Krishna is my son. He behaves like this. He feels like this. When I am not pampering him, he puts. He starts putting some weird face. He needs that. So at the end, Nanda says, I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense of his Bhagavan and Narayan. Hmm? That's not new for me. I have so many great personalities saying it. But my point is, the only thing I'm interested in hearing is if he's going to come. Will he return or not? And when? So please be clear about that. I'm not interested in any other conversation whatsoever. So after saying this, Nanda and Yasoda cry and cry and Uda again 
tried his best, trying to serve their prem, appreciating their prem, starting to realize what's the nature of Raja Prem, but at the same time being bewildered, trying to do his mission, discovering a new mission in between. So eventually all this night passed with Uddhav trying to pacify Nanda and Jasoda, and after all the night passed, he left offering pranam to Nanda and Jasoda, trying his best. And the next day, in the morning, the very beginning of the day, the Bhagavatam describes Uddhav again having the darshan of Raj in union with Krishna, not in separation. He goes out of Nanda's palace, again he finds Braja darshan in Sambhog, in union. All Everything is bright and well and nice. And the gopis start to see the chariot in which Uddhav arrived to Braj, and they start to wonder, is that maybe a crew who came to use our flesh for a funeral oblation to his master, dead master Kamsa, who was satisfied with his service? Or maybe if it's Uddhav, why is he coming here? Krishna sent him as a messenger to take the remaining pieces of our broken glass-like hearts or something. So as they were wondering who was behind the chariot, what was the purpose of the messenger or whatever, the gopis see Uddhav, having finished his early morning duty. So that's that was the end of chapter 46, and that was the end of our previous lecture. So today we will continue from that point, beginning with chapter 47, which is officially called the Song of the Bee, of the Bumblebee, the Brahma Gita, the whole chapter receives its name. And we will be studying the first 11 verses, since the 12th will be the first very first verse of the Brahma Gita. We'll be starting that one next class. So again, Uddhav heard all night from Nanda, the lips of Nanda mostly, but Yashoda was there as well, all this Bala Lila, childhood Lila of Sri Hari. And in this morning, Uddhav was in the Jamuna, offering, doing Sandhya Bandhan in his morning duties, oblations. And at this point, again, the gopis come there with different pots for taking water. So one may ask, okay, they are taking water for using in their houses, but it's, the point is, is that water was not for them to use at their houses because they say that the gopis, after the very first Rasa Lila when Krishna played the flute and the gopis just ran behind the sound of the flute, immediately Yoga Maya created some replicas of them at home. So their husbands, so-called husbands and so on, wouldn't notice they escaped. So that start that those replicas remain there. Some acharyas will present like that. So they were they they were nobody knew that they left. So they were not in need of returning to their homes. <laughs> but especially this is said when Krishna left hmm, from Vrindavan to Mathura, hmm, basically to say that they did not return to their homes. Even if you want to think that they return after the first Rasalila, they just kept looking at the horizon in the direction in which Krishna left Vrindavan. Uh, and, and expecting when he will return today and preparing themselves, maybe tomorrow, and preparing themselves for that. So the point is they were not using the, the water of the Jamuna for their household duties because there was not house whatsoever for them. Jogamaya created some replicas over there and they were just, in this particular expression, hmm, um, bla in, in blazing separation. So what, which was the purpose of that water from the Jamuna basically to to alleviate the fever of one particular gopi, who is Sri Radha actually, who was just on the verge of death. And it is said that when that water was put on her to try to uh, take down the, the level of the fever, that water immediately started to boil, because so much was the heat in Sri Radha's place in forest fire of Biraha, Biraha Agni, the fire of separation. And it is said that 
in, in the madness of separation, and this is a little trailer of what we will see in the Brahma Gita, but she will speak about dying in such a way that the pancha tattvas, in this case means the five elements, pancha tattvas of the body, earth, water, fire, either, um, um, air, either, water, fire, earth. And they may return to their original forms, and in that way, those elements may serve Krishna's land or wind, because in her present condition in separation, she was not able to use her body in, in the service of Krishna she will like, and for her that will be unbearable, basically. Her existence had no purpose without being able to concept, con, like to dedicate every single atom of her body, especially in the country of Madhurya Rasha, offer your body in service to Krishna. So, it is said that in Gopal Shampu, Jiva Goswami describes that when Uda sees such a scenario, sees the gopis in that particular situation, he sees them as such. He says, the gopis' hair was untied, their clothing soiled, and their effulgence dull, as if glowing coals had been covered by smoke and ash. But their eyes were restless to see Krishna. Because of their heavy breathing, their lips had cracked and their faces had dried up. They appeared like deer, frightened by a forest fire. Hmm? So, that's the idea, no? The gopis are just surviving because Krishna mentioned, I will return. So, they are in, like a deer in a forest fire, it's afraid of imminent death, hmm? of the fire of separation, but like the deer who has very restless eyes, their eyes are still looking for Krishna with the hope, he may return today. He may return today. Hmm? But they are just on the verge of death. They cannot live almost any longer without Krishna. Hmm? In that particular Prakash, remember, this is a particular window where they are expressing their love in this particular phase, glorious phase of separation. And we are sadhakas are to really learn a, a deep lesson in this connection, learning how to suffer for Krishna. The idea is not stop suffering at all, but learning how to suffer, basically. How to direct all our emotional capacities with Krishna in, in, in the center. So here the gopis feel like dying, but they do not die because they know. They are not dying because if Krishna returns, the point is, and he finds them dead, I mean, how much he will suffer. So for the gopis to just think about the possibility of Krishna's suffering and what to speak suffering because of them, if somehow, because of being dead, <laughs> it's totally impossible to even think about. So they are struggling very hard to maintain themselves alive, to, to let their prana not escape through their throats and retain their life with the hope Krishna will return. Krishna will return. Hmm? So then Sukadev Goswami, remember all this is being narrated by Sri Sukha to Raksh Parikshit. Uh, Sukadev describes the king how the gopis um, became astonished when they saw Uddhav. Uddhav became astonished for sure. He was already astonished from all this night-long conversation with Nanda and Jasoda. Now seeing the condition of the gopis, he became even further astonished. What to speak when he starts to hear Dharakata. But the gopis from their particular perspective, they were also astonished by seeing Uda, by seeing how much he resembled Krishna. And also they were astonished because, oh, this, this person is identical almost with, to Krishna, but we are astonished because we don't feel what we feel with Krishna. Hmm? We, 
I mean, that's their intuitive perception. He, he may be equal, identical to Krishna, but if they do not feel what they feel for Krishna, he cannot be Krishna. <laughs> but Krishna gave to Uddhava, as we know, his own cloth, his own garland. How can you know if that's Krishna's garland? Well, the gopis have an eye for that, a heart for that. Krishna Uddhava returned in the chariot that took Krishna out of Braj. So all these items were connected to Krishna somehow. And Uddhava, as we know, physically speaking, resembled Krishna so much, his hue and so on. So it's interesting because the gopis sometimes they saw Krishna in lifeless objects, like trees and rather seeing Krishna in a tamal tree, in a cloud, in so many different objects, senseless objects. But they never saw Krishna in another man. Because, of course, it's not possible. Krishna is the Purush in their lives. So they are wondering, who is this person? Who is Krishna almost, like, but we don't feel he is Krishna. So he cannot be Krishna. But he's using Krishna's ornaments. He, how, how he got that his cloth? I mean, because no, no, not, any, not everyone and everyone will get Krishna's cloth. His garland. So there must be some special connection <laughs> in between the two. So who is this person? So they started to... To, to getting closer and closer to Uddhava and they surrounded him. They made like a circle and Uddhava remained in the center. And they and they kind of felt his Krishna is sending him because they saw he has a letter in his hand. So he may be a messenger, the Gopis were wondering. A messenger with with a message of hope, message of love for us from Krishna. So all of them were trying to look in the circle, looking maybe there is a message for me. Each, each Gopi was thinking in this way. Mm-hmm. message so we know this whole story revolves around a lot around the idea of of message mm-hmm. and a messenger mm-hmm. Sandesh Udab Sandesh Brahma Gita is inside this bigger section sometimes called Udab Sandesh the message of Udab so since we invoke the term message a messenger Sandesh let me share some brief words regarding um this particular genre, genre, yeah, of poetry called Dutta Kavya. Dutta Kavya means Kavya sometimes is translated as poetry. While actually it's not poetry in every single sense as we know it in the West, because sometimes poetry can be vulgar and degraded and still be in poetry here. But Kavya, originally speaking, is poetry which is always enlightening, if you will, has authenticity, has integrity, has values in it. So Kavya has to do a lot with that. So there's a lot of this type of Kavya, Dutta Kavya. Dutta means messenger. So Dutta Kavya, there's a lot of Kavya connected to the Brahma Gita, a lot of different poetry written here and there. Sometimes Dutta Kavya is called Sandesh Kavya. Sandesh means, means uh, message. And generally this type of poetry Again, I'm not speaking here about the Bhagavatam, but different poetry written on the basis of these sections. So this Dutta or Sandesh Kavya generally contains 100-150 verses, as the famous Udap Sandesh for Rupa Goswami that we spoke about already. Generally, are, all of them are in a single meter, and they are based on a separate, separated, the theme, the main theme is a separated lover saying the messenger, and in most cases the messenger is non-human. 
interestingly. So and it happens as with most Sanskrit poetry, also something to make mention here is that each verse of the whole composition is treated as an independent entity. It's called muktaka, which means like sometimes these verses are described like a miniature painting depicting some amatory situations or sentiments. And each verse is complete in itself. This this basic kind of, of Sanskrit poetry is the point is no matter how long the poem but each stanza, each verse, in itself must evoke the requisite mood. It's complete in itself. It's to be treated as a separate entity, if you will. So this Dutta Kavya, I'm sorry if I for a minute go in this direction, but I think it's interesting to, to connect. This Dutta Kavya began originally, it's, it is considered, it is thought as such, with Hanuman in Sri Ramayan. You may recall when Sri Ramachandra sent a message since Hanuman as a messenger, when Sita was abducted by um, Ravana. And then Sita sent Hanuman back with a message for Ram. So this coming and going of messages is called Dutta Kavya. Another important work in this parampara, if we may call it lineage of poetry, is the Megadut of Kalidas, a famous poet in India, old one. In this case, the Mega. Mega means cloud. So the Messenger is a cloud. Because the one who is asking the, the cloud to send the message knows, oh, the, the clouds move very quickly. They move, they are very big. And they move in a specific direction. So on this basis, a cloud can be a messenger. So similarly here, Krishna is doing the same thing with Uddhav in connection to the gopis. And this was mostly presented by Rupa Goswami, his Uddhav Sandesh. And also in the Hamsadutta, I also mentioned that second book of Rupa Goswami. Hamsadutta means Hamsa means uh, swan and Dutta means messenger. Mm. So in that case, Lalita side, in the Udab Sandesh, of course, Krishna is sending the message with Udab to Braj. And the Hamsadutta, Lalita Saki, is sending a message through a swan to Krishna in Mathura. Mm. The, the, the stage is Lalita is going to the Jamuna to look for some lotuses. Mm to relieve Radha and to some water of the Jamuna to sprinkle her mm, so she may wake up from her trance of separation and she sees a, mess, a, a swan so she picks she chooses the, the swan as a messenger so please you go to Mathura and send this message to Krishna mm. so similarly sometimes it is also Sri Radha takes the very footprints of Krishna as a messenger or, or, or asks the, the wind to send a message in that direction in that direction in that other so let's mention some brief elements of this Dutta Kavya before continuing with the Bhagavad narrative. One of the main elements of Dutta Kavya is that he who sends the messenger, whether it may be an animal, a human, a senseless being, whether it be, as I mentioned, clouds, some footprints, or, or whatever, wind, a monkey, a swan, Udav, First of all, the one who is sending the messenger is worshipping the messenger, praying to the messenger. Even if the messenger cannot understand what's the message that he, he, she will be carrying, for example, the cloud is senseless, or Udav is not fully aware of the implications of the message he's carrying, as we will continue seeing, the message is given. It's a message full of depth, full of meaning. And sometimes the one who is giving the message to the messenger is not discriminating how aware 
the messenger himself will be. <clears throat> and why there, that awareness is not there? Because of the intensity of love, basically. As you know, when Krishna disappeared from Rasalila, Gopis were inquiring from senseless beings in the forest. They were not thinking, oh, this is a vine, this is a tree, he won't speak to me. Madness of love. So due to madness in love, a person in love will make any entity his, her messenger. That, that's the main idea, trying to extol this idea of divine love. And another aspect of Dutokabi is that the one who is sending the message and the messenger will describe the exact path to the messenger through which you can arrive to your desired destiny. In Rupa Goswami's Udhav Sandesh, this is presented very nicely. Krishna is telling Udhav, you go in this direction, you go here, you stop in this pilgrimage site, in this place I performed this lila, here I did that, you, you can rest there, you can absorb in this lila here. No? He describes the same path that Krishna made from Vrindavan to Mathura. Krishna is describing to Udhav from Mathura to Vrindavan. So there is a great emotional involvement with the different geographical locations. It's not just, I will have some journey. It's very deeply emotional. So another aspect of this Dutakavya is that the one who is sending the message will convince the messenger that if you send this message, at least you will have two or three benefits. For example, you will see very beautiful place, places along your journey. And also in the way of sending the message, there will be many tirtas, many sacred places, so you can visit those. And also it will be a pious action, very virtuous action. You will be helping someone else. So you will have entertainment, you will have pilgrimage, and you will have uh, punya or sukriti included there. So it's not just by obligation, but there will be some wealth, if you will, some gain for the messenger. So please, you go, that's the idea. You will obtain all the things. Also, the, the, the one who is sending the messenger was else mentioned, try to not go to these places. Now, in, on the path, there are many dangerous sections that better do not go in that direction and so on. Also, another important point, and all this is included in this Udab Sandesh, is that the message has to be given to the correct, to the proper person. The message has to be presented to the intended person. So in that, for that to happen, the one who is sending the messenger will describe that person who is the one who will be receiving the message. Like Krishna describes to the Sri Radha, for example, and the gopis, or Lalita describing Sri Krishna to the swan in the Hamsa Dutta. So all these elements are there in this type of Dutta Kavya. And one more aspect, or two, one last, not last, maybe penultimate aspect, is that it will be clearly stated, this is the principal message. This is the main, the gist of your mission, if you will. So please convey this idea clearly. So Krishna makes this point also to Udav in the Udav Sandesh. We already shared that in previous lectures. And Krishna said to Udav, in my name, I don't know, embrace one by one each of the cows, my friends, offer pranam to my parents, describe to the gopis how much I'm missing them, and why I cannot return, and so on. And one last aspect of, of Dutta before we continue with our narrative, is that the messenger has not only to be expert in giving the message, but in creating some remedy, if you will, some relief to remove the separation from the beloved. And if at least that person cannot do that, at least it, it has to bring back a message 
to the other beloved, to the one who sent originally the message. Again, he has to bring some message back from the other's part, the other love, belover. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, he made his part. He's free to go, if you will. His mission is accomplished. So in this scene, in this sense, we are seeing all these details in this Dutakavion and also in, in how the Bhagavatam describes this. So now, going back to our central narrative after sharing some ideas regarding Dutakavya, Udav is here trying again to accomplish the mission, to deliver the message and to create again relief, in this case for the gopis. So the gopis approach Udav humbly, they offer pranam to him, they wash his feet, they receive him properly as a as a guest, they are proper hosts, and they take Udav to their secluded place. Because again, they will be speaking about something confidential. Gopi's relationship with Krishna is not a public affair, so they cannot open, tear apart their chests in the front of all the brush. So they sit him in a very secluded place and they start inquiring from him, understanding he is a messenger from Krishna. So Udav enters into this secluded area, of the forest, and when entering there, it is described that Udav saw one gopi, one girl, golden one, on the floor, lying on 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 on, on lotus on a bed made of lotus petals that were like sprinkled with water, and the darshan was like it was like a thunderbolt that fell to the floor and was made ashes, basically. So, and, and other gopis were putting sandalwood paste on her forehead, but immediately after the sandalwood paste, that implies refreshment, was put on her forehead, immediately that became dried up and was cracking immediately. So, so much was the fever inside of her heart. And this gopi, her eyes were closed in deep trance of separation, and her sakis and fr- or friends were crying profusely around her, and imploring to her, please, do not leave us, basically. Do not leave us. She's like that because Krishna is not returning, but if she's leaving, all Brash will leave, will die. So, of course, that copy is Sri Radha. So, Udav has a first darshan of Sri Radha at the distance. It's not yet the Brahma Gita darshan. So, all the gopis close to Radha, crying and ask, begging her, do not leave us, please. You are Vrindavaneshwari. All the brushes just depending on you. So they were putting some cotton close to her nostrils just to prove is she still alive or not? Is pran flowing through her nostrils or not? And that's a classical depiction of how you can test if someone has not died yet in separation. So they put the cotton and not only there was some air but the air that was coming was so hot because again of the fire of separation that fire appeared from this cotton immediately. This is described poetically in this way. So she was alive, yeah. She was <laughs> on fire, basically. Showing with this the internal, again, forest fire. This is a different samsara, different forest fire. Samsara, full essence. Sometimes the comparison is with the turtle as well, regarding Radha. Turtle and Mahaprabhu himself showed these symptoms at the very end of his manifest lila like a turtle which makes all his limbs inside of your body. Pratyahara, retiring, as we may say, Pratyahara, retiring the senses from the sense objects, the turtle puts all its limbs inside, 
all the functions of the consciousness of, of this gopi, of Sri Radha, enter into her heart. Externally, she was like dead almost, but internally, she was meeting Krishna, looking for Krishna in the innermost chamber of her heart. So, the gopis tell to you that you, we know you are Krishna's messenger, and we are, you, you know, we are, you, we know you are Krishna's messenger, and who is Krishna? He's, they call Krishna here the Lord of the Jadus, Jadupati, Jadunath. So they start to um, chastise Krishna verbally. So that will be new, <laughs> a new experience again for Uda, because he already was totally overwhelmed by Nandan Jasoda, but Nandan Jasoda won't speak words on Krishna as the gopis do. Once start to speak with sarcasm, irony, and insulting him. At this start to give, make here a little bit what to speak in the Brahma Gita. We will see that. So they call Krishna the Lord of the Jadus, like implying, oh, he's 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 actually originally we know him. He's from the cowherd community. He's a Gopa, but now he's living as the king of the Jadus in the big aristocratic city of Mathura. So having attained such a big post, now he's a big man of the city, why will he want to come back here with us? Here in Mathura, we, I mean, there in Mathura, there is so much wealth. Elephants, royalty, and chariots, and what to speak, we are not speaking about Dwarka yet. But just compared to Mathura, Braja is not, not that much opulent, if you will. At least, of course, <laughs> overtly, we know there is foolish barrier there in Braja. So there are so much opulence there in Mathura, the gopis imply, just with one name of Krishna. We know every name of Krishna has so many implications. According to each Lila, that will be playing out in so many different ways. So basically they are saying, here in Braj, our greatest wealth is the rope we have for binding cows. Mm, that's our wealth. That's We have in abundance, because it is say when they have free time, the gopas, the Brajabhasis make rope, because it's so needed for their seva. So, they imply all these things. Udav, okay, he's such a big guy now, so it seems that he cannot come for himself. He's sending messenger. So he has sent you, but not for us, but to pacify his mother and father. We know that. In other words, the point is, because he's saying, we've, we think that Krishna sent you out of fear for criticism from the public, who might say, oh, Krishna, Nandan just started crying to death, but Krishna is staying in Mathura ruling us again. He's doing nothing. So he sent you as a messenger to pacify them. So he's trying to, to take care of his public, the, public the, the opinion of the public on him, now that he's a big guy. <laughs> so Vishwanath Chakravarta comments in this section saying that thing. No? Like in this way, there are many of these implications of criticism hidden in the Gopi's words of false praise, which arise, as, as he says, at the subtle new buds of the tree of the words. And again, this... This criticism is love. Krishna says somewhere else in the scripture, I'm more attached to how the Brajavasis speak, criticize me, that to all of the praise of the Vedas. So so much sweetness, so much attachment, so much mamata, possessiveness and love is in that type of addressing me. And so the gopis with all this imply this idea and they say in the Bhagavatam, we are, I'm not mentioning each one of the first 11 verses, but we are going through them here. So Gopis imply, we do not see here anything that Krishna may consider worth remembering in these cow fields, cow pastures of Braj. And they now start to see 
to mention another point. Indeed, they say, basically, the bonds of affection for one's uh, family members are difficult to break, even for a sage. With this implying, Krishna did that very easily. <laughs> Krishna, in this way, disregarded even his parents, Nanda and Jashoda. He remembers them, maybe, hopefully, but the point is, I mean, how is possible for persons like us, gopis, they're saying, to have a place at all in his heart? I mean, if he disregarded his parents so easily, who are we? What to speak of us? Even those, and, and even those who take sannyas, who, who are sages, who are renounced people, who leave the world, they find it hard to give up the relationship with father and mother. Krishna did that very easily. Not only with them, but with countless ladies like us with whom he enjoys. So they start again to chastise him through higher irony. Let's get, oh, just see the severity of his renunciation. Krishna is so much a vairagi. He has so detached. <laughs> so they continue chastising him in this regard. You can imagine how Udav is feeling at this point. He never heard anyone saying such thing about his master. For Udav, Krishna is Bhagavan. He's his master. He loves him in that particular way, but here in Braj, he's saying everyone is abusing Krishna. <laughs> but everyone is loving Krishna. The same. He can feel that. I mean, he's not feeling they are committing aparad. He knows they love him. He's starting to discover him. He has, he's having a, a glimpse of that. But in a particular way, as we know, not as God. In this case, as, his, as, as their beloved. And in that context, in the context of romantic love and separation, they are abusing him chastising him with words. Mm. Mm. So the gopis continue, and they mention that the friendship that is shown toward others, those who are not family members, first they spoke about that, now friendship shown toward someone else, different cases, the gopis will give, the, will give examples. Generally, in this world, that's motivated by personal interest. Mm. And therefore, this is a pretense mm, that only will last till one's purpose is fulfilled. Mm. Till one's business is finished, okay, thank you so much, and I kick you out. Hmm? So such is a friendship, the Gopi said, is like the one, like the, such friendship is just like the interest man taking, taking woman. Like implying, that was Krishna acting with us. Or maybe bees in flowers. The bees goes and take the pollen, and as much as they took the pollen, they leave. So the Gopis are compared to lotuses. Krishna went, took the sweetness of their face for a while, it took off all their... The sweetness, Madhusudan, he ruined their honey <laughs> and left to other flowers now in Mathura. And Gopis continue giving other examples. For example, he say prostitutes, they will abandon a penniless man. Subjects will abandon an incompetent king. Students will abandon their teacher once they have finished their education. A priests will abandon a man who has remunerated them for a sacrifice. Birds will abandon a tree when its fruits are gone. Guests will abandon a house after they have eaten. Animals will abandon a forest that has burned down. And a lover will abandon a woman he has enjoyed, even though she remains attached to him. Hmm. So the point is, with these examples, the gopis are showing people expecting money, like the prostitute, abandon the penniless man, people expecting protection, like subjects abandon an incompetent king, <clears throat> people expecting learning, like the student leaving the teacher eventually, 
people expecting uh, livelihood, like the priest uh, leaving the one who has remunerated him. People expecting food, like the birds abandoning the tree where the fruits are no longer there. People expecting shelter, like the guests abandoning the house. And people expecting also love, so-called love in this case, like the lover abandoning the woman he has enjoyed. So the gopis continue saying, among these motives, some are auspicious, some are inauspicious, but all are conditional factors. In other words, some are more degraded than others, but in all of them there is selfishness. And they are not based on pure affection. So you can imagine at this point what's the implication in this analogy. The idea is, since Krishna's motives are being fulfilled now by the woman of Mathura, why will she? Why should he remember us? He already enjoyed us, and he left. Like all these examples giving him. So with this, they are hinting in in a type of ecstasy. Krishna is not having any love for us. Again, all of this is expressed in the context of love, romantic love in particular, who has a language of its own. That's an important thing to understand. How ecstasy will play out in the different. Rases, that's very different. Which will the words that were used, which will be the expressions. And especially in Romanticism, ecstatic Romanticism, that's even more complex because generally the language there is indirect. A lot of Parokh Shabbat, a lot of suggested meanings, indirect speech, crooked words. Generally, that's in nature. Radha's love for Krishna is crooked. Generally, she won't tell to Krishna in front of him, I love you so much and I need so much. He will say, I don't care for that black serpent, that black guy who is ruining the chastity of all the damsels in Braj. Kick him out. But actually, internally, she's saying exactly the opposite. <laughs> so we need to learn how this language, these dynamics work. In every single field of knowledge, this is there. If you're, a, I don't know, an astronaut, you have a certain technical expression only astronauts will understand. If you are a scientist, you have your own glossary, if you will. That will be only scientists will be familiar with that. So, if you are a lover, there will be particular terms that will be only used and understood by those who love. So, this is the case here. And again, Udav is just starting to learn this. What's going on here? Again, it seems they are criticizing him. It seems they are saying this and that. <clears throat> but I, I realize there is something else here, something extraordinary. So the gopis basically they are telling to Udav, <clears throat> we have loved Krishna unconditionally in a selfless way. So why our love was ended? Why Krishna didn't reciprocate? Why didn't Krishna came back? <clears throat> so they were asking Udav, give us an answer to that. So Udav was the most educated person on earth. He was Shastrabith, but he was flabbergasted. He didn't know what to say, speechless. Mm-hmm. Because again, Prema Tattva, Ambraja Prema Tattva, Angopi Prema Tattva, if you will, was way above above his head. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was just having his first direct contact with such a reality. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I don't know how do you call this in, in, in your respective countries, but in Argentina you, we have like a <clears throat> one year period of study before entering university is called CBC. 
-hmm. So you have to go through that for a year and some exam before entering, being admitted into the university. So here we could say the Gopisir are giving Udab the CBC to see if he can enter into the university of Gopi Prem. Radha is the director there. But Udab failed in, in the very first question, if you will. <laughs> he didn't know what to put in the answer there. So, but again, Udab is on a mission. So he's trying to, to serve his master and he's trying to serve the Braja Gopikas for sure because he's, he's understanding this Braja Basis has something unique, something extraordinary. He's gradually becoming more and more aware to the fact of how glorious they are, even above any other type of devotees. And those words he will state very clearly at the end of his visit in Braj. We will see that eventually. Now, just is the beginning of the lightning, if you will, of Udab. So he will suggest to the gopis, you can meditate. Try to concentrate your mind. Do not be afflicted by so many emotions. These village ladies sometimes get too emotional, whatever. <laughs> so the gopis ask Udab how to meditate. What's, what's that? It's interesting because they reply like if they do not know how to meditate. Why? Because actually the only thing they do is to meditate on Krishna. But they are not doing like, like okay, I will now meditate. If you say, I will meditate in place that the moment before you were not meditating. You follow. But if you are absorbed from day to night from day to day <laughs> in Krishna and do not know any other second option apart from that, you are not actually meditating like I will do this now, like a secondary external practice or something else. I have my life and now I meditate. For the gopis there was nothing else apart from absorption in Krishna. So when Udab say you can meditate, they ask how to do that? <laughs> While actually they are the ones who are doing that in the best possible way. Hmm. They cannot even... Sometimes they try to meditate to forget Krishna. We could say that's the meditation of the gopis. They try to concentrate their mind and make some effort to stop thinking about Krishna for a moment, but their meditation is unsuccessful. Hmm? <laughs> so Oda will say, you can meditate with your mind. Try to use your mind. And the gopis immediately have a reply for that. They will say, but our minds are not with us anymore. Our, our minds went with Krishna. From, from the very first moment we knew him, from the very first moment we heard about him, from the very first moment he played his flute, whatever. He's Manohar. That's the name of Krishna. Manohar means the one who steals the mind. Morli Manohar. Famous name of Krishna. Morli Manohar. He plays his flute, the mind is gone. There, where the flute is sounding. Hari, as we know, the fav favorite name of all the Brajabhasis in connection to Krishna, because that's their daily experience, that's their pratyaksha, Hari, the one who steals away, who captures our mind. So Udav does know what to tell to the gopis. They say, you can make to use your mind. I don't have a mind, says the gopis. The gopis say, our minds are not with us. How can we meditate? <laughs> so Udav doesn't know what, how to continue. I mean, he he's, he's again, he's starting to to grasp the dimension of the gopi's love. But, I mean, he won't be able to, to do so. That will be overwhelming. And not even Udav, that's even impossible to do for Krishna. I mean, Krishna himself cannot fathom the depths of the uh, of conceiving the fullness of the love of gopis and Radha in particular. So if Krishna cannot do that, what to speak of the gopis? Hmm? We know what this scene of the Bhagavatam in the Rasa Lila Gopi Gita, after Gopi saying Gopi Gita and Krishna returns in their midst, he pronounces 
this famous statement, Naparayam nirabhadya samjuyam susadu krityam bibudayu sapivajamava jandurjaragi hasrinkala tambrishyatat bhapratyatu sadhana. So he will say, Krishna is saying here, in brief words, I cannot pay your debt, the debt I have acquired, I mean the love you have for me, I cannot reciprocate. Love is your own, it's its own reward. It's so much that I want to taste that reward. I want to see what does it feel to be in your shoes. But the point here is, Krishna is saying, not only I cannot pay your debt, but I cannot even know how much is that debt about. How much do I have to pay? Because if you have to pay a debt, first you have to know how much is the debt. <laughs> you fall. So, so Krishna wants to. Pay, he's trying to pay the debt, but he doesn't even know how much is the debt because so much love is there. He he himself is overwhelmed. He's not flattering. The word, the gop is here. Those, those are his real, heartfelt words. His ajita becoming jita, the unconquerable becoming defeated by the gopi's love. So. If that's the case with Krishna, again, you can just imagine hmm, what's happening with with Uddhav <laughs> at this point, who is just meeting the gopis for the first, very first minutes. Hmm. So let's continue with the the last two verses of that we will be seeing today, verses ten and eleven of chapter forty-seven. So Sukadev continues saying to Parikshit, he says, "Thus." Speaking, the gopis whose words, bodies, and minds were fully dedicated to Sri Govinda, they put aside all the regular work now that Krishna's messengers, you that had arrived among, among them, constantly remembering the activities their, their beloved Krishna had performed in his childhood and youth, they sang about them and cried without shame. So, here we see gopis are forgetting all external consideration. They are in a secluded, secret place and they are showing their hearts naturally, spontaneously. Anudav is just like witnessing all this in between, openly weeping in front of Udav and absorbing Krishna's childhood and youthful leelas. That's interesting. Here it's mentioned that the gopis are absorbed not only in Krishna's Kishore leela but also in his other leelas as well. So this implies that the gopis' uh, love for Krishna was there even from childhood, even though it was not expressing itself accordingly, if you will, as it will happen in the teenage years, because they were babies or they were child children, but the love was there. Again, they are nitya-siddhas. So they are made of that love. So the gopis' love for Krishna had been unconditional from day one, if you want to put express that somehow. It's not that the gopis' love arose in in the youth due to some teenage lusty agitation and, and, and it's a conditional love or something. So over and over again we have to repeat this idea. There's nothing mundane in this attraction, in this interaction. So remember, at this point he's surrounded by, the go by a circle of gopis, but outside of the circle, a little bit at, at the distance, Radha remains lying on the floor, almost like death. So Uddhav is considerably overwhelmed by everything he's seeing, but he's having some special, he feels there is something special with this gopi. And that particular gopi, Shirada, at some moments, he was, remember, he was fainting, she was fainted, but sometimes she will open her eyes and speak some, some crazy words and return, losing 
consciousness collapsing one more time. So he could understand, oh, these gopis are so great. I mean, their love is reaching such a peak, even above the reach of Nanda and Jashoda. Their, their level of their Mahabhav is like the zenith of Prem. So he started to pray internally, trying to at least obtain a particle of the food dust of such personalities. Again, Oda was appreciating that on his capacity. So when he was thinking about this and praying this way to say that suddenly Sri Radha's eye opened and some bumblebee appeared on this zin, a brahmara. Brahmara means bumblebee. The bumblebee was attracted to the fragrance of the lotus feet of Sri Radha. So the bumblebee started to fly nearby. So let's share the, la the very last verse from today, verse number 11, which just introduces, if you will, puts us just on the verge of the Brahma Gita. So this verse 11 says, One of the gopis, while meditating on her previous association with Krishna, saw a honeybee before her and imagined it to be a messenger sent by her beloved. Thus, she spoke as follows. And of course, starting from the next verse, we'll begin Brahma Gita. So, <clears throat> let me share some words with your permission regarding this last verse, which speaks about one of the gopis, or this uh, one, one gopi. It's not mentioning Radha's name officially. At any, in any part of the Bhagavatam, this is happening. And this, of course, this is not the exception to the case. For example, Sanatan Goswami and our Goswamis for sure are the ones who are finding Radha in, in the pages of the Bhagavatam, not only in this verse, but behind each single syllable. And sometimes the example is given of, of henna, this red substance that sometimes you see married ladies in India, they had their hands and, and, and arms painted and feet with henna, but this comes from a green leaf. So you see, how can a green leaf produce a red powder, if you will? But for that you have to first grind properly the green leaves and red will come from that. So the red is there. So the, another way of, say, of saying is in the Bhagavatam is the mention of Radha is not there but if you properly grind its content, if you properly churn its content, that's what the Goswamis did, oh the red will come. Red will be Raga, the special affection and love of Sri Radha. At every single syllable and word and space between each word if you will of the Bhagavatam. That was the, the Samadhi of, of the Goswami. So Shilasanatam Goswami put in his own commentary to this verse by Shnaptoshani. He says that the word here's the word kachin. Kachin is a gopi, one gopi, this gopi, something like this. So this gopi, kachin, she is the embodiment of the seventh stage of Krishna Prem. Pure love of Bhagavad for God, known as Mahabhab. Nehaman Pranay Raga Nurag Bhav Mahabhab. Sri Radha is Mahabhab Sarupine, which means the very personifications of this stage, Krishna's own Ladini Shakti. In other words, Sanatan concludes, Sri Sanatan Goswami Prabhu, this gopis Prishabhanu Nandini Sri Radha. And again, one may insist, but why Sri Radha's name is not mentioned directly? Especially here, that we may say, okay, this is the great moment to present Sri Radha, because it's, this is the, practically the, the only moment in the whole Bhagavatam when the attention is put on one particular gopi who will present a particular unique discourse 
on divine madness, on divine love. This, there's no other section on the Bhagavatam that says, and this gopi say this, and you have like 10 verses of one single gopi saying that, that the Bhagavatam itself is saying that. So that this will be the goal and opportunity to introduce your Adab. So why it's not mentioned in there? <laughs> so of course there are many reasons. <clears throat> one of them, uh, let me show one verse from Brihad Bhagavatamrita. When it is mentioned, Sanatan Goswami also mentions there, describes the gopis' love and say the gopis were consumed by the expansive flames of the wondrous blazing fire of Prem for Krishna. If my guru chants the names of these gopis and recalls a gopis' distinguishing qualities, he too is touched by sparks shooting forth from the flames of this intense fire, and he at once becomes greatly agitated. Therefore, he had to avoid pronouncing the gopis' names. And in his purport, Sanatan Goswami further confirms this point. He said that that person cannot chant the names of gopis like Radha. Why? Because from chanting the names of those gopis who are burned by the spreading flames from the fire of this fully manifested Prem, which reveals everything but burns as well, because of intense remembrance of the gopis, that person will immediately develop great agitation by the touch of the sparks from the tips of that intense hike flames. The gopis are thrown into that forest fire, but even one spark of that can create so much agitation. And it is for this reason Sanatana Goswami mentioned that Sukadev Goswami did not mention specifically names of the gopis in the Bhagavatam. We don't hear not even the name of Radha, but we don't hear the name of any gopi in the Bhagavatam. Of, the, of course, we hear Yashoda, elder gopis, but not gopis in connection with love, with Krishna, the names in it themselves. So one should not think that he did not mention the gopis' names simply out of great respect, but basically because Sukadev became overcome with attraction for Krishna lost control. We know that, and of course, there are some other reasons in connection to this. The main reason also tell this, Parikshit had seven days to live, so Sukadev had to finish his narration. Parikshit was so eager to reach the tenth canto and the Brajalila and so on. But Sukadev sometimes will just lose contact with reality in his narrative. So it is said that even Parikshit, Sanatana Goswami mentioned, had his own son, Janamejai, with some cartels next to Sukadev. So whenever Sukadev will faint, Janamejai will begin some curtain to bring Sukadev to external consciousness and continue his Bhagavad Kata. <laughs> So, it is said that if Sukadev will have say Radha only once, he will have entered into a state of trance for maybe half a year or more. So, Parikshit had seven days to live. And also, of course, in, in the context of Rasa Shastra, the Bhagavatam is Rasa Shastra. So, in Rasa Shastra, there are certain laws and codes. And when uh, the Naika or the heroine, the feminine her heroine is mentioned, it is done indirectly, without mentioning the name. So these are the codes of romantic love, as we mentioned, that we need to learn in order to properly appreciate hmm, the content of, of the Bhagavad. Hmm. So, of course, this is the transcendentally subjective opinion of the Gaudiya. So other Vaishnav Sampradayas will see, will read something else in the Bhagavad. Hmm. So let's continue with the our Goswami's purpose to this last verse we are seeing today. Jiva Goswami. Let's go with Srila Jiva Goswami. But 
on his Krama Sandarbha, which is one of his commentaries to the Bhagavatam, not enough with only one commentary, he mentioned that the same thing that Sanatana Goswami basically, this Kachit, which means someone, one gopi, is the most beloved Sri Radha. And interestingly here, Jiva Goswami, he indeed points to another Shastric reference when Radha's name is clearly mentioned in connection to the Brahma Gita. So he mentions here one book called Bhashana Bhashya. Bhashana Bhashya. He's, so Jiva Goswami says, the Bhashana Bhashya says, in the morning the gopis asked Uddhav about his pastimes in the abs- Krishna's pastimes in, in the absence of, uh, of Radha. And absorbing her love for him, giving up all other thoughts, Radha spoke Chitra Jalpa, which means crazy talks, with her Sakis, using example from the Upanishads. This is what we'll see in the Brahma Gita. And the Bhashana Bhashya continues saying, Radha spoke to Uddhav, disciple of Brihaspati, using example from the Upanishads. Uddhav was full of realization in Prem, thus Radha's Chitra Jalpa, crazy talks, was a transformation of Dibyan Mad, divine madness, and the essence of the Upanishads. Hmm? So this is a very interesting statement. Not only that confirms how Sri Radha was the one speaking to Uddhav in this Brahma Gita, but how her words, her crazy talk, we'll see Brahma Gita is also considered Chitra Jalpa, a bouquet, a bouquet of different flowers, crazy flowers. Each verse is like a divine flower of crazy mad, mad talk. It's coming out of Divion Mad, of course, divine madness, not mundane madness. And that talk represents the essence of the Upanishads. That's very important because, again, it's an it's expression that comes out of the love of Sri Radha, which is the Christ's jewel. All the Upanishads are after Brajabhav. So what to speak about the very personification, the ultimate expression of Brajabhav. And similarly, in his Lago Toshani, other commentary to the Bhagavatam, Jiva Goswami mentioned that this word Kachit, another meaning he makes of Kachit, connecting that with Radha. Again, Kachit generally means one of the gopis, but Sri Jiva Goswami is very expert in, in, in deriving many grammatical possibilities. So say, it's, it means sheep who possesses spiritual knowledge completely concerning the bliss of Prem. Kachit. Chit, in this case, means she who possesses chit spiritual knowledge completely ah concerning the bliss of prem ka so kachit will mean that or kachit may be she who was the chief who increased at every moment the chief gopi who increased at every moment achinoti their happiness of prem ka for Krishna so in both cases this meaning ultimately applies also to Sri Radha so it is said that at this point, Shirada is in her trance, immersed in trance, imagining meditation, how Krishna is associating with the woman of Mathura. So she will express some man, jealous love. At this point, she will, she will experience the rise of man within herself. And at this point, before starting the Brahma Gita, it is said that Shirada goes and hides in, in a creeper house, not wanting to see the bumblebee that appear. She's thinking at this point, my beloved Krishna has sent this messenger to pacify me. Speaking about the bee, not Uddhav. <laughs> so thinking in this way, she rather hides, but eventually addresses the bumblebee, as we will see, because the bumblebee is chasing after her. 
So this one idea, and sometimes it is said that on the pretense of speaking to the bumblebee, Radha actually was directing her words to Uda, who really was hearing, as we will see this Brahma Gita, and he was taking whatever she Radha was speaking to the bumblebee hmm, for himself and for his master. Hmm. So in this way, the Acharyas will explain that Radha spoke to Uda, but aimed at the bee, at the bumblebee. Or that seeing the messenger Uddhav, which was sent by Krishna, she imagined Uddhav to be a bee, since Radha was meditating on associating with with Krishna, who is like, as we will see, she will be compared with he will be compared with, with a bumblebee. Because of dark complexion. So Uda appeared with dark complexion, so he could be compared to a bumblebee in that case. <laughs> and it is said that in this moment, as we will see, she Radha was not close to Uda yet. She was overcome by Mahabhav absorbing her mind in Krishna. And, of course, you can imagine that without her mercy, we we cannot basically understand her words. I mean, we need to become, to go mad to understand Radha's words. That That's the very conclusion, because she was speaking out of natural prem, so natural prem is needed for us to enter into these mysteries. She's in separation. It is said that there are ten stages of separation. Some brief words before finishing, with your permission. So, the, I will mention all of them, but it says that the last stage is mrityu, or mriti, death. So, for Radha, in separation of Krishna, at this point, only the last stage remained. She had gone through all of the other stages of divine separation. Illness, bewilderment, madness. So, she had reached the, the stage of divine madness, divyon mad. This is a term that is always invoked in connection to the Brahma Gita. It is the acharya sometimes say, indeed she should have died long ago. I mean, how how can any human being suffer so intensely as survive? Of course, she's not a human being. <laughs> she's the divine goddess playing the role of a human in an Lila. But she has gone through so much. How can she bear with so much? But it is said that a single uh, thread of hope was tying, poetically speaking, tying the dough of Radha's life the restless doe that wants to leave her troth, the pran, to, it's tying her life to her body as it is burning in the separation and it's not allowing it to fly somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, just, we are about to begin the Brahma Gita. So at this point, Uda was looking in the direction of Sri Radha and he thought, I may touch the feet of that, that unique gopi. She's so exalted. So I will touch those feet. And at that point, a bumblebee appears again on the scene. And that's when Radha will start her discourse, her sermon, Brahma Gita. So this Brahma Gita, will, I, I will term this like the most mysterious section of the whole Bible. Just to begin, someone speaking to a bumblebee, speaking about some type of madness. So the Brahma Gita is a very mysterious and secret, the most, I will say, maybe mysterious and secret section of the whole Bhagavatam, with so many layers of meanings apparently saying something, but actually saying something else in so many levels. So we will see how Uddhav, after every single of these ten verses of Brahma Gita, we will be studying one verse per class, because there is so much to unpack there. But after every single verse is passing, Uddhav will see Radha's Prem growing after every single verse more and more and more. Sometimes the example is when you are contemplating like a mountain 
which is very big and what is big a mountain that is growing more and more it may happen Govardhan it happened Krishna was as Govardhan growing growing and eating and asking more <laughs> and your so imagine you are contemplating a hill that is growing more and more you have to look 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 go back to to contemplate that at the point that you you go back and you fall to the floor so that will happen basically too that he will faint at one point <laughs> because of, of, of witnessing the the, com the the unique combination of ecstasy and joy and distress but all this in the context of divine love we spoke about mountains so sometimes it is say that <laughs> if all the sadness and all this all the joy sorry and all the distress of the world were two great mountains they could be thrown into the ocean of Radha's happiness and distress and those two mountains will be completely lost in comparison to her experience. They will fall to the bottom of that ocean and never be seen again. Com speaking so intense what is coming from her. Mm -hmm. So, And sometimes the scripture try to describe that. They say this is like nectar and poison being mixed together and becoming one. Or like trying to drink burning sugar cane. It's too sweet to stop doing that, but it's too hot to continue doing that. But I continue doing that. But I, <laughs> so union, separation, divine happiness, divine sadness, but all in the context of love of Krishna. So again, Krishna, Uda, in humility, I am a devotee, I'm dear to Krishna. But when he went to Braj, he realized what's the real implication of being a devotee and being dear to Krishna and loving Krishna. As we know, there's no way of teaching love. You cannot just subscribe yourself to a weekend course i will learn how to love krishna you have to the best way to learn how to love is to witness those who love to have pratyaksha direct experience getting closer to them as, as my guru Maharaj will say you can deny the existence of god but you cannot deny or it will be harder to deny the existence of love of god if you enter in touch with that that's really too powerful so even if we do not love just to get closer to someone who has love for God, we won't have their experience immediately, but we will have some experience of being closer to their experience. And that will be in itself a whole experience for us. So that's how it works. That's the magic of Sadhu Sangha, if you will. Getting closer to those who are closer to Krishna, who are feeling something. So that will create in us some feeling for their feeling. So this same principle is applying here to Uddhav. He has a feeling for Krishna, for sure. He has prem for him. He's a need to see that. But while getting closer to the gopis and having direct experience of that, I mean, in this Brahma Gita, especially as we will see by having Darshan of Radha's Divyan Mahat, not only Uddhav, but the whole world, and hopefully us as well, will be witnesses of one of the most astonishing expressions of, of divine love. So some words... I want to share with you today concerning this uh, pre-Brahma Gita verses, the first 11 verses of chapter 47. And we are ready to continue next week, officially to begin. Sorry if I extended myself too much by doing five introductory <laughs> lectures, but I felt uh, they were needed in order to really better appreciate and grasp which are all the implications of what we'll be seeing next class. So... I don't know if there are any questions. We have some uh, some minutes, so I have muted you. So you have the option if you have any. Yes, Mahara. Oh, I was just wondering. Do um, 
does Udiva ever go to the cowherd boys and and see what they go through? Because I never <laughs> saw that anywhere. Mm. That was the, the the very same question that Sumati made presented me yesterday. <laughs> uh, well, till now, not. I mean, try to understand that till now, Udav only is in his... He didn't finish even his first day in Braj yet. <laughs> he passed the very first... He arrived and immediately was thrown into a pool of separation in Nanda's palace. So that was his first night without sleeping. <laughs> and now he's entering into his first morning and immediately he's thrown into an, another even deeper pool of separation with the Gopis and Shirada. So he has no he had no opportunity basically of meeting anyone because he went from one pool to the other and he may but the point that I want to make of course is that after the Brahma Gita and we will see that because we will have some other minimum five other conclusion lectures after the Brahma Gita. Uh, after the Brahma Gita Uda meets not only the Gopas but meets all the Brajabhasis. Because remember, as I mentioned, Krishna sent with him a message for each and every Brajabhasi. Not only, he mainly told, of course, relieve my parents and especially pacify the gopis. But at the same time, he sent message to every single Brajabhasi, embrace the cows and tell each inhabitant of the forest how much I love them and to the trees. and to, So, of course, Udav has that mission in mind as well, but he had no time to do that yet. But after finishing this Brahma Gita, we will see how Uddhav actually, and remember, this was part of Krishna's mission to him. He said, you stay in Gokul for some time. You don't come back immediately. So it is. we will see how Uddhav will stay there at least for 10 or 11 months. So you can imagine that in that period, he had the opportunity to associate with all different Brajavasis, uh, Gopas included. There is no clear depiction in the Bhagavad about if the, which was the nature of their exchange, but that's implied there, of course. <clears throat> okay, something else? Well, so we, we can finish here, I think. Thank you very much to all of you for your time. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Grantara Srimad Bhagavatan ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Sri Brahma Gita ki jai, Gaur Primananda Haribo.